This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, March 8th, 2023. I am Dave Biddle. Very happy to be joined by Steve Hellwagon. We got a chance to watch the first 30 minutes of spring ball yesterday, so didn't get a chance to see too much, but it was still really cool being out there. And then we got a chance to speak with Ryan Day afterward, Jim Knowles afterward, and the quarterbacks, which was really cool. I thought that was kind of the highlight of the day, speaking with Kyle McCord and Devin Brown. Let's start with the quarterbacks, Steve. What did you make of how they looked again such a small sample size. They weren't doing much. What did you make of how they looked? And what did you make of, you know, what they said to the media? Yeah, Dave. I mean, it's always been interesting the last year or two when you'd go there and C.J. Stroud, all the attention was on him. Oh, and then, yeah, there's the other guys, you know, uh, Kyle McCord the last two years and Devin Brown last year. Oh, yeah, there's, there's those two other guys, you know. We'll see. Well, now – they're the guys at center stage, and they're the guys that everybody was uh, was looking at. They seemed to have very good rapport after it was over. Uh, they stuck around at the interview session and uh, talked with media members for probably an extra 10 or 15 minutes after it was over, just, uh, just hanging around, shooting the bull. And uh, these guys seem very comfortable, uh, very uh, uh, confident in their own skin, believe in what they can do. And I've said this any number of times, if Ryan Day and Corey Dennis and Brian Hartline didn't think they were capable, they would have gone out and gotten the starter from Wake Forest or the starter from North Carolina or whoever, you know, was in the transfer portal to come in and replace CJ Stroud. They didn't do that. They didn't feel they needed to do that. Those guys looked pretty good thrown against air yesterday. Again, we don't see 11 on 11 or seven on seven. To know, you know, exactly, uh, and we have no idea what's called, you know, what, what plays are supposed to go to who or what, but uh, on face value, everything seems to be on the up and up with these two guys, and there's no reason to think Ohio State can't win big uh, with one or both of them if they have to. All right, we're going to go through some of the high points here. Um, well, I, w- I should mention this. What do you make of – this is no surprise, but I asked Devin Brown – one more thing on the quarterbacks here. I asked Devin Brown, did Coach, what has Coach Day told you about a pecking order, if anything? Has he said one's a little bit ahead of the other going into spring? Has he told you guys anything? Has he said it's equal? And Devin Brown said, yes, he told us it's equal. Um, they're going to split. Uh, maybe not down the middle, but um, he said they're going to split first-team reps. 
and it's dead equal going into spring, according to what Coach Day uh, told Devin Brown. Now, I tend to think Ryan Day knows right now, Steve, who his guy is, but um, no need to make any grand proclamations right now, right? So, um, yeah. All right, moving right along, obviously, uh, at corner, David Davison Igmanusen, the uh, transfer they got from Ole Miss. I mean, he looks really impressive out there. You know, every bit of six foot two looks taller than that. And um, that's huge. I, I tend to think that's going to be a really good battle between Igbenosin and uh, Jordan Hancock to be that starter opposite Denzel Burke. And I tend to think Igbenosin will win the job and still Jordan Hancock's going to play a lot. But what you, would you think of Davis and Igbenosin out there yesterday? Yeah, very impressive just out there running around. And again, uh, you don't know much because we didn't see him in coverage or anything like that to know, you know, uh, how quick are his hips, you know, those type of things. What is his reaction? How good are his hands? You know, how high can he jump? You know, all those things you just you, you don't get a, a good sense of when you're just watching him warm up for practice and doing individual drills. But you got to like what you saw there. And the prospect is really good. I mean, you think about the secondary and I think that uh, Coach Day said it. He said, uh, you know, we've got one and a half guys basically at every spot, and um, they need to build, use this spring to build that depth. And I think that's what uh, what you're going to see happen here over the, the 15 days of the spring is uh, Jordan Hancock, Jair Brown. You know, they're right there as well. And it's going to be a great competition, I think, uh, for playing time at cornerback. Denzel Burke, everybody said he had a great offseason program. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of put the, the issues of the sophomore jinx behind him. And uh, as we said yesterday in the happy hour, Dave, that uh, great show that you and I and Patrick did yesterday afternoon, kind of uh, capping all of our thoughts on the on the, everything we saw. Um, there's a lot of guys in contract year this year that could go to the NFL next year. And Denzel Burke is certainly one of them. So uh, he needs to have a great junior year to bounce out of here next year as a as a first or second round NFL pick as a corner. And I think he's got that potential and that ability to be able to do something like that. But uh, Benison, to me, he's right there in the mix and it's all going to shake out. Uh, I spoke to a guy who coached with Tim Walton at uh, the Carolina Panthers uh, two years ago under Urban Meyer. And uh, he had some interesting things to say about Urban, things that I can't necessarily share. Uh, Jacksonville, you mean Jacksonville? Oh, you know what did I say? Carolina. I get yeah. Carolina and Jacksonville. I'm he, dyslexic. He told you some urban stories you can't share. Oh, yeah, man. he told, told me an urban story or two. He'll tell me off the air, right? Okay. Well, to, right. it's to the point where he no longer takes Urban's phone call. Let's just put it that way. So, <laughs> yeah, it uh, it got a little interesting, oh, but. Oh, uh, Oh, okay. uh, because because a lot of the phone calls were you never saw me do this did you <laughs> you never saw me do that did you so uh, are, are the guys like uh, I'm out so but he said that Tim Walton is a quiet guy but he is a guy who gets results and he is a guy who will do a great job uh, coaching the corners at Ohio State the first year was a little rough with uh, Cam Brown who, uh, you know, man, he talked a great game at the combine. I'm going to run a 4-2. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Then he didn't run and he didn't work out. And you're kind of like, bro, do you have any desire of being drafted? You know, I, I'm, you know, great. You're going to do stuff at OSU's Pro Day. But, you know, we'll see if you even get drafted at this point. So, uh, but no, Walton's going to do a great job. And that was the, the story from uh, the guy who had worked with him in Jacksonville. 
One more thing in the secondary. I mean, we, you know, we only get so many questions we can ask uh, the coaches. Like one thing I wanted to ask was uh, both to Ryan Day and Jim Knowles was, is Sonny Styles already to the point where you guys feel like you he just has to start? Like we don't know exactly where yet, but like when you guys are talking, is does Sonny Styles have to start? And they didn't, they didn't say like yes, but they didn't say no. They kind of said yes, <laughs> basically. What did you make of? What they said about Sonny Styles? What do you think about? He's looking great out there. He's changed the number six. Um, just what do you make of the whole Sonny Styles situation? And how much, you know, do you think he'll play this year? And do you think he's a lock to start? I think he's close to a lock to start. I think he's got to go out every day, day in and day out, and prove it, just like everybody else. And I think that's the message that you got, in some regard, from the coaches. Was yeah, we love him. He's got great work ethic. He's got a great frame. Uh, we want to see him. Uh, you know, execute, make plays all spring along. If we see that, then he'll be playing. If not, then it opens the door for our Kai Stokes and some of these other guys at the safety position. Obviously, they brought in Jihad Carter from Syracuse. They have Josh Proctor, who returned uh, from last year. Lathan uh, Ransom, Court Williams. Yeah, Lathan Ransom, Court Williams. Yeah, they're, they're really Martinez. Yeah. They're very deep at safety. They've got guys, but uh, to me, there's only one Sonny Styles. So right. you know, the rest of them all kind of fit the same mold, height and weight wise. But this cat is a little bit different, and so uh, you know he's got to trigger and make plays. That's that's production is the name of the game, and uh, I think he will, and I think he will start. I think he is definitely going to be uh, in the mix uh, when the season begins. I know have any reason to believe why he wouldn't. So, again, yesterday, no pads, so no hitting, and uh, hard to tell, uh, you know, exactly who would be making tackles out there when that time comes. But, yeah, you got to like Sonny Styles on the hoof, certainly, uh, you know, and, and he has a great shot at it, I think. Absolutely. And then, uh, I mean, there's so there's so many, you know, interesting things that were said and and – Seen yesterday, I think another interesting thing that got you know a lot of talk obviously was you know Jack Sawyer, no more Jack. Not that he's changing his first name, but no more playing the Jack position. He's just defensive end. They said he's going to be the DN, starting DN opposite JT Tumaloal. And um, I know I know I'm not alone when I put that on Twitter. All of the responses were like Hallelujah! So everybody's happy about that. Um, I also think Jack got a little too stiff last year. He looks like he's maybe a little bit more flexible now. Maybe he bulked up a little bit too much. Uh, I think going into his junior year, I'm not saying he's going to be a superstar. I am saying JT Tumalo is going to be a superstar this year, Steve. I think he's really going to break out. But I like this. I'm with the fans on this 100%. I like this idea of quit moving him around, make him just a heat-seeking missile off that edge. That's what he was great at. That's what made him a five-star recruit. Jack Sawyer, no more Jack. Uh, in fact, they might not even use the Jack very much. We'll see about that. They didn't even use it that much this year. They said they only used it about 15% of the time. Um, but what do you make of the Jack Sawyer situation, him just being a defensive end now? Yeah, I agree with that. I think that that's the common sense move with Zach Harrison going on to the, to the NFL, that you need a defensive end, that you can count on every down guy. Looks to me like Caden Curry and Kenyatta Jackson are also guys in that mold that mm -hmm. uh, could be there. They had Will Smith on the roster yesterday. I know he may project more as a tackle down the line. I'm not sure I saw him on the field. Do you recall seeing him? If so, he may not have been in the right jersey number, but uh, I didn't see his jersey out there. But uh, that's kind of a, a sidetrack. But, 
Yeah, Jack Sawyer to me is a guy who is ready to explode. He is ready to to be that kind of an every down guy, a great run stopper and a great uh, defensive end pass rusher. And uh, I'm eager to see what it looks like with Tui Maloau on one side and Sawyer on the other. And um, getting after the opposing passers. The pass rush has not been really up to snuff the last couple of years, and, and those guys need to get it back where where it needs to be. All right, I want to get into the offensive line. I mean, two main positions that we're all like focusing on, everybody is center and right tackle. Um, left tackle, Josh Fryer, I think, has that locked up. Um, you know, played, you know, a little bit of everything last year was they played. He was the sixth offensive lineman in the jumbo package. He played some right tackle. He played some right guard. And I thought played well. Um, and now he's the left tackle, uh, you know, listed at six foot six, 320 pounds, big dude entering his fourth year. So you got Josh Fryer at left tackle. I feel like he's locked in there. And then they've got some good position battles, as you know, Steve, at center and right tackle. Um, looked like Vic Cutler and Carson Hinsman were rotating there at the first team at center. And then you had at right tackle. You had Zen Mahalski. Looked like he was going first. And then Tegra Shabola going second. A couple of big guys there at right tackle. Um, how do you see those shaking out at center and right tackle? And if you're a fan, what's your concern level about the offensive line overall? Oh, man. You know, they've had so many veterans the last couple of years that there wasn't a lot of concern. Uh, maybe when DeWan came in as a first-year starter two years ago, you were a little bit antsy about that. But I think um, – you know, if it was a four or five the last couple of years, it's probably a six or a seven right now. I think they're going to be okay at right tackle between one of those two guys, Mahalski or Toshbola. I think they're going to be just fine over there because that's the quarterback's – typically the quarterback's front side and the quarterback can see that rusher and can elude them. I think, you know, for Fryer, everything is stacking up. Like he's going to be a very good left tackle for Ohio State. But until he's done it, you just you still have to be a little bit concerned, you know, guarding the quarterback's backside. That's a guy that the quarterback cannot see uh, coming from the backside. And that's that's the one where you've got to have your best man. And uh, so we'll see if he pans out. You know that Tui Maloal, Sawyer, uh, Curry, all those guys will be testing him uh, during the course of spring football. I thought it was really neat to see Victor Cutler out there, got the ball in his hands, and he's pointing this way and pointing that way. He's a veteran offensive lineman, and he hadn't played a whole lot of center, though. And, you know, I think he and Hensman, that'll be a good battle. Jacob James, when he gets back there in the fall, may have something to say about that as well. I don't think I'm all that concerned about the center position, snapping the football, uh, you know, that's 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 the biggest thing is making sure that the quarterback gets a great, consistent belt high snap that he can do something with. And uh, that consistency is, is really the hallmark of playing the center position. So uh, I would put it at a seven, maybe my concern level, if it's been a four or five the last two years, uh, I would say slightly concerned, a uh, little concerned, uh, but they go against the best of the best every day. And so, you know, as they say, iron sharpens iron. They're going to play better players in practice than they're going to play in a lot of these games in the fall. And that'll get them ready for the end of the season when they will obviously play the best teams again 
if it's Michigan and uh, maybe Big Ten Championship and whoever uh, they might play in the playoff if they make it. So uh, to me, uh, it's it's a build. It's a slow build, and it started yesterday with day one. And it was interesting, Dave, on Twitter, one of the OSU fans like, do, do the Ohio State fans and the football beat that cover the team, they get more excited about the first day of spring practice than any other team out there? And it's like, well, That's yeah, because there's – there's more fans and more beat covering the team than any other team out there. And, uh, you know, Ohio state has national championship aspirations. That's, that's, you know, they weren't put here to do average. You were put here to do, you know, beyond excellent. So uh, that, uh, you know, that's what's expected at Ohio state. Great expectations. No doubt about it. Very well said. All right. Now, I appreciate you jumping on. We'll we'll do one last thing here because you gotta you gotta go. I gotta catch flight. a plane, Dave. You gotta catch a. I'm gonna yeah. make you late for your for your plane to to Chicago. Um, no, I'm but gonna you're gonna be on the baseline at the United Center tonight, my you're friend. Going, you're going to the house that Michael Jordan built to cover um, that house uh, the, on Madison. The thir- the 13 seed Ohio State Buckeyes. You think 13 seed? Man, they barely made the NCAA tournament. Like 13 seed, like. No, 13 seed in the Big Ten tournament. Big Ten tournament, yeah. It's, it's so embarrassing. They, I'm serious. They better never, ever, ever be a 13 seed or, God forbid, a 14 seed like ever again. Like, and I know USC and UCLA are joining, so maybe they will be. But this better never happen again. It's embarrassing. Uh, but they will play today, 630 in Chicago. You will be there along with our Patrick Murphy. Um, they're playing Wisconsin, the 12 seed. I mean, they've been playing better lately, so that's good. But that's, you know, a pretty low bar to, <laughs> to cross there. But um, what do you expect today? Do you, you think it's going to be a short stay in Chicago for you? You know, I think I'm working on my game preview right now. I just put out the primer of the tournament, you know, covered all the different factoids with the tournament and the history and, you know, what's going on and what the teams are projected and all that stuff, kind of an overview of the tournament. Now I'm going to dig down just strictly on this matchup with Ohio state and Wisconsin for uh, the preview. That'll probably be up before I get on the plane here later this afternoon. And um, our Wisconsin publisher, Evan Floyd, honestly said, uh, Evan flood. I want to get his name correctly. Not Evan Floyd. Um, I don't know why I said that, but uh, he said, he would almost pick Ohio state based on what he's seen of this Wisconsin team down the stretch. They are four and eight in their last 12 games. They were an NCAA tournament lock not all that long ago. And now one of the two bracketologies, either Jerry Palm or Joe Lenardi, has them on the outside looking in. One of them, I think, has them in the uh, first four. So they are in an absolute must-win situation. If they lose this game to an Ohio State team with a losing record, even though Ohio State's like 50-something in the net, uh, they would fall out of the field, no question. And Wisconsin in the net is in the 70s, which is almost unheard of for an at-large team, but they've got a few good wins. So, And they played a great schedule, obviously. So uh, they beat Marquette early in the season, which has been a top-10 team uh, quite a bit of year. And, of course, they beat Ohio State 65-60. to 60. The only time those teams played in Columbus, I think it was late January uh, or early – I think it was, may have been early February – uh, Bryce Sensabaugh was in foul trouble in that game, and that really kind of changed things. In the first half, Wisconsin put the ball inside to their big man, Crowell, and uh, he made some some shots inside. And uh, then in the second half, it was a freshman, Connor Asijan, who
who had a bunch of threes, and they won the game. Uh, he had 17 points in the game. So Ohio State, I think, shot 38%, had 16 turnovers. You're not going to beat anybody shooting 38% and uh, having 16 turnovers. I think they were 4 of 25 on threes, something like that. So just couldn't get the ball to go in that night. And uh, Evan Flood, our Wisconsin publisher, says, if since the ball plays the whole game, I'm not sure Wisconsin's got anybody that can guard him. And Bruce Thornton has been outstanding the last several games, leading the Buckeyes at the point guard position. We're watching these two guys. This is the best freshman tandem Ohio State's had. They've had a couple, Greg Oden, Mike Conley Jr., and then, of course, uh, Jared Sullinger and uh, Aaron Kraft there in 2011. Uh, this is probably the best freshman tandem Ohio State's had in the last 12 years, certainly, and uh, these guys are ripping it up at the right time if there is a right time for a team that's 13 and 18 overall. But, uh, you know, one day at a time, Dave, one day at a time, sweet Jesus, here we go. Uh, I think they win today. Then tomorrow against Iowa would be a toss-up. Uh, of course, those teams split their games. Both both teams winning by double digits on their home floor, so we would see what would happen on a, a neutral floor in Chicago. But uh, just give me to just give me a Thursday. That's my motto right now. There you go. There you go. I've heard you say that uh, many a time. Yeah, what Dave. Used to be just give me to Saturday, but uh, obviously. Uh, yeah, you know those, those days. Those days are long since gone. So. When you're the 13 seed in a 14 team conference, you just take what you can get. Um, but uh, appreciate you jumping on on short notice. Um, now get ready and don't miss your flight because this is a big game today. You got the 13 seed against the 12 seed, so you don't want to miss it. He is I'll Steve Bellwagon. 6:30 Big Ten Network. There you go. 6:30 Big Ten Network. Steve will be there. Thank you very much, Steve Hellwagon. Um, good discussion on football and a little bit on basketball there. Appreciate Steve. Appreciate all of you guys for tuning into the show. Hope everyone has a great day. For drag queens to save the world. Save the world. RuPaul's Drag Race All Stars is back on Paramount Plus, and for the first time ever, I want you to use your talent for good for a change. <laughs> Eight iconic queens are competing for the charity of their choice. This is how you do drag. Who will slay it forward, win cash for their favorite cause, and a coveted spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame? RuPaul's Drag Race All Stars. New season streaming May 17th exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.